0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation.
1: What up, Grizz Nation? You're tuned in to the Hoop Ball Podcast. I'm Isaac Simpson, and you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore rivals. That's I S A A C underscore rivals. With me is my partner in crime, the man David Williams. You can find him on Twitter at D Will 2111. And we have a special guest tonight. You can find him on Twitter at Draft Deeper. He is Nathan Grubel. Gentlemen, how are you this evening?
0: I'm doing well, doing well. That's a lot of rumblings today, a lot of uh, stuff going around. Nothing big like uh, like yesterday, but uh, you know, d- d- just uh, waiting, counting down the minutes, man. We we are less than 24 hours away.
2: We are. I, I'm excited to to be on with you guys. Certainly, thank you, Isaac and David, for definitely having me on the show. I, I'm excited to to chop up Grizzlies, as I was telling David off the air a little bit. The the Grizzlies were my first um and nba team that i really became a fan oh, wow. of with those grit and grind cool. grizzlies teams yes sir love yeah. those guys always so i'm um, definitely excited to to talk with you guys break some things down
1: yeah man it's always good to, to find grizzlies fans outside of Memphis. <laughs> small, small market team that's not always always the case so i love to love to hear people cheering on the grizzlies outside of the market but yeah man we're, we're excited man we've been talking draft for feels like a a, a year now man we've covered the prospects and Talk a lot, and it's almost here, man. Uh, less than twenty-four hours away, we'll be 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 live, man. It, it, it's going to be fun, and the Grizzlies making this move uh, really has us intrigued here at Memphis because we think there's more to come. Uh, just kind of looking at how things are setting up, I got a feeling they're going to be pretty active tomorrow night.
2: Yeah, there's there's buzz in the air that you guys might move even further up yeah. from the ten spot. Like I don't know, I don't know what you guys think about that. I don't know. I, I mean, to move from 17 to 10, you have to figure the whole point behind the move is that, you know, besides some of the, the veteran players involved, but really the driving factor would be they have somebody they want to get at 10, absolutely no doubt. They have somebody who they felt like they needed to move past a few lottery teams to to be able to draft that prospect, and we're on the street, it's giddy, but if they move even higher than that, I I, I don't know who they'd be targeting higher than that, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it was uh, Kevin O'Connor uh, that, that posted that they're – looking to get up to possibly uh, take a shot at Jonathan Kaminga or uh, James Boaknight, uh, which we, we're excited about because, I mean, I never thought they'd be in any position to be even talking about Kaminga. I mean, that's craziness. I, I, and there's even some talk that they're trying to get up to three, possibly to get Evan Mobley. Now, I don't know if that's realistic, but that's the buzz out there. So, I mean, and, and there are a lot of people reporting, so it seems like there's a little little smoke there. So, man, they're being active. That's not something we're used to. This market under <laughs> Chris Wallace. You didn't hear any rumors with this team. They they were never making moves like this. So uh, Zach Lyman and, and his front office have, have been fantastic since they've taken over. So again, man, I, I think they're going to be very active tomorrow night, and, and and it makes it even more intriguing. Uh, but but sitting at ten, I mean, you Giddy uh, Wasserman says that Giddy is the target. I Think Chad Ford said Franz Wagner uh, is is the target. so I mean, it's all kind of stuff out there, man. But th- that just just makes it. On, but, but talking about some of those guys, and when you're looking at TN, who would you think would be a, a good fit for the Grizzlies?
2: So I, I don't I don't dislike either of those fits with Memphis when we're talking about long term plays. I don't know how much immediate value they're going to get in the short term from from either of those guys. I guess Wagner's main calling card is that he can be a versatile defensive player, which yeah. at this point, you know, why not load up on more four three or three four type wings or forwards who can, you know, play good good solid defense on the ball or off the ball. And then you look at you look at Josh Giddy, and I don't necessarily hate that fit either. I know there's there's a bunch of questions about his jump shot and and how his scoring to me, how his scoring is really going to translate in the NBA from from day one. But Memphis has just taken the approach, which I love, by the way, of just loading up the team with as many smart basketball players as possible who know how to play their roles. And I think that when you slide in Josh Giddy at number 10, then you take a lot of pressure off of him to come in and be this point guard type prospect that some people think he is. I don't think he's that prospect. I think he's I like a like a four three type forward and yeah. like the Joe Ingles mold that's yeah, been very exactly. popular. So take that pressure off of him. Let him come in and play with some other good playmakers, guys like a John Morant, like a Desmond Bain, who I also love, the Anthony Melton. Let them do a lot of the playmaking and let Giddy just move the ball around and kind of find his comfort level within the offense for sure.
1: Yeah, man, it's, it's kind of surreal to me because I've, David knows I've liked Giddy since day one. I kind of coined the hashtag, hashtag Giddy for Giddy. But I, <laughs> at that time, I had no idea that the Grizzlies would even be a position to think about drafting. It was kind of a, a pipe dream thinking he'd be there at, at 17. But with him, a lot of people try to put him in a, in a point guard box. And I don't, I think he's a positionless basketball player. I, I, and a lot of people question the fit next to John. I think with him being 6'8, 6'9, I mean, it allows you to do a lot of different things with him. I think you can play him with Ja on the ball, with Ja off the ball, and, and vice yeah. versa. If he's coming off the bench, you can play him with Tyus Jones. Same way. I just think he's a basketball player. And and like you said, high IQ can, can really pass the basketball. Offense is the question with him. And he kind of talked about that uh, in in his media press the other day, saying that he, with the three-point shot, I think he ended up shooting about 29% for the season. And he talked about how just how bad that he started off the season to shoot the basketball. Like, he said he was embarrassed by the way he was shooting. And as the season went on, he sounded a lot better, but the percentage was so low that by the end of the season it never really got higher in twenty-nine. He said he thinks it's a little overblown and he's a better shooter than he might be getting credit for. So uh that that that's interesting, but I, I just love him as a basketball player. I think him and him and ja would be really fun together.
2: Yeah. yeah, they definitely would be running like a like a transition type offense as well. You know, Giddy, Giddy's obviously great at a lot of the hit to head type passes and Um, even getting John Moran off the ball a little bit in those sets with the, with the speedster that he is, let him fill a lane, get down the court and then do something off the catch and transition, let him get to the basket or, or get up for an easy dunk. So yeah, I think they'd be an awesome pair together.
0: Yeah. You know, I was looking at his stats. It it took me a little bit to, to find like the game by game stuff, but he started off two for 20 from three. So that's (laughs) just a massive hole to dig yourself out of. After that start of two for 20, he shot 35% from three. So, you know, 35% is probably not as high as you would like it to be, but it's still respectable. And, you know, again, like you look at his age, he he's young and Taylor Jenkins has, he's, I would say that he's proved himself as somebody that can develop talent with what he what he's done with this Grizzlies team.
2: Yeah. And and, and that's, again, coming into the fact that you're probably seeing Giddy as like a more of a long term type fit. Right. Again, I don't know how much immediate value he's going to give you in the short term. Maybe you're able to play him like like, you know, 18, 22 minutes a night, somewhere in there. And he provides enough offensive value to remain on the floor, but he's probably not going to be um, any sort of awesome defensive player, at least not yet. He definitely needs to keep adding to his body and then offensively. Yeah, just just get him involved in some really easy things. Don't put pressure on him to score the basketball. Leave those responsibilities to others around him and just put him in positions to, to succeed and, and use the gifts that he can bring to the table from day one, which is his court vision and his decision making. Let him set the other guys up on Memphis to score the basketball, which, I mean, you know, we know that D- Dylan Brooks loves to shoot the basketball. We know that Ja would probably like to have a few playmaking responsibilities eased off him at times let him go out and score the basketball a little more and then obviously some of the bigs jaron jackson's always ready off the catch Um, i think brandon clark is probably due for a much better third year get him involved in some more catch and shoot offense so yeah giddy can help contribute um in in all those areas and then long term he can keep improving his body get stronger and and really focus on building out and and rounding out his skills base
1: yeah man i like it man this man really really knows his grizzlies man i like that i like that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, yes sir but but, but but with giddy man and, and one thing that i i do like like listen to him talk even though he said that he feels like he's a better shooter than those numbers indicate he's he seems like a guy that he said he knows that that's part of his game he still needs to work on he seems like a guy that's willing to put in the work and seems like have a great work ethic and I, I believe that like david said i mean shooting at 35 percent. i mean i think that's something that he can prove on i'm not as much as worried about that as a lot of other people is. I mean, i watch watched him play. I think he he has some upside shooting-wise, and I think he's a guy that's going to put it in the work, so I'm not really worried about the shooting. I think that's kind of the the downside with a lot of people, but he's one of those prospects. He's, you love him or, or, or you don't. I mean, it's not really any in-between on him, and I just have to be one of those guys that love him, and I think he's, a, again, just a jack-of-all-trades type of guy that you can kind of plug in anywhere. I, I, I don't think you worry about the fit next to John. I just think he's a guy that you can Plug in on pretty much any team because he just has a, such a unique skill set at six, eight, six, nine. And to, to be able to pass the ball uh, and the, the high IQ that he has, I just think he can fit in pretty much anywhere. So yeah, I mean, you you
2: you guys know this better than I do. That if you're if you're coming to Memphis, that's an important point you made, my friend, about just just being ready to come in and work and, and do your job because that's that's the Memphis mindset, right? That's the when you come sure. to that city, play for that team, you you got to bring your lunch pail. You got to be ready to come in and work. So I, as long as Giddy understands that when he's coming in, I think he can fit in with with the team as well as within the city just fine.
0: Some of the other stuff that he does well is. Beneficial for the Grizzlies as well, you know, Jaron Jackson, they, they moved JV in the trade to move up to 10. And so a lot of uh, a lot of fans are concerned with rebounding. Stephen Adams is not a slouch by any stretch. But the thoughts are that you're going to see Jaron Jackson at the five getting more reps. And there have been questions about Jaron's rebounding. And Giddy is a very good positional rebounder. So that's something that's a skill that, that doesn't really get talked about a whole lot that I think that he's going to bring to the table that will be equally beneficial for the Grizzlies.
2: Well, if they want to focus more on rebounding, I mean, I, I, I have a player in mind that I don't know how you guys feel about him. You'd be swinging for the fences a little bit, but he's a favorite of mine. He's somebody who I think should be in play um, after the fifth pick, I think he can absolutely be in play six on, and that would be Alper and Shengoon. I would, I would love to see Memphis just take a home run swing uh, on somebody on like, like him. What do you think about it, man? What, what's, what's your take on Alper and Shengun?
1: I like him and a lot of people, he, he they're not many fans of him in Memphis. Uh, but I think a lot of, <laughs> of Grizzly fans are just out on bigs period. I don't think they, they want them to draft a wing. And I think they are just kind of, Sole on that, but but Sinjin, I think, is a, a guy that's extremely young. Uh, I mean, he's really skilled around the basket for a kid his age. I mean, won the Turkish League MVP at 18 years old playing against grown men. I mean, he has a pedigree coming in that he's played a lot of high-level basketball for for a guy's age. And I, I just lo- like the way he plays. I think I think he has some shooting upside. Didn't shoot a lot of threes uh, in, in the Turkish League, but I've I, I looked at his shot and I think he's a guy that projects as, as maybe a guy that can one day knock some threes down for you. And to go with that inside game, I I just think he could be a a complete player, a complete big one day. And the rebounding is is fantastic. Um, So I I like him a lot. He's definitely on my list of 10. There's like five guys there at 10 that I wouldn't be upset if they take. And if you kind of look at how the top six is going to go, two of those five guys are going to be there. So I think the Grizzlies are are great right there at 10. Now, if they decide to go up higher than that, we'll see what happens. But Singleton is definitely a guy that, that I like and I have I'm a big fan of his.
2: Yeah, and I mean, he he rates out really well in terms of what you would want from that center spot or or even a power forward spot if you want Jaron Jackson to continue getting reps at center and kind of be that um, better rim protection presence, which is what a lot of people think Shen Goon's not going to immediately bring to the table. I don't, I don't subscribe to a lot of those defensive concerns that people have about Shen Goon because I think he's just that smart. Of a defender, like it's one thing if you don't have the foot speed to be able to beat somebody in a foot race to a spot but it's another if you can see one to two steps ahead and and you can just beat somebody to a spot because you're moving quicker to to that spot in time right like you're you're beating them because you're seeing the play and you're anticipating it happen before somebody else and i think shangun in a lot of different ways can contribute there he he's not i know he's not seven feet but he's he's 610 he's 240 pounds he's not a small guy by any means he can definitely hold the zone down low and then offensively I, I know you're you're bringing in Stephen Adams to definitely help on the boards like David said and and, and to help defensively especially when Jaron Jackson is off the floor but you take a look at what uh Valanciunas brought to the table for you guys offensively the unsung hero all year long in Memphis as you guys know um helped the Grizzlies raid, raid out in different post scoring categories. I know they were they were 10th by synergy and in post-ups including passes and you talk about everything that Shengun can do from a passing standpoint as well, passing out of the low posts, getting involved around the nail, getting involved with some high low passing of Jaron. Um, cuts to the basket, or even if he's able to to step out as well and shoot like he likes to. um Shen Goon's able to whip a pass to the corner, get him involved. Or yeah, there, There's just so many different things you can do offensively with, with Shen Goon on the court. And then, yeah, if he does stretch the floor in time, which I'm buying all of it. Like, you watch some of the workout videos that kid's involved in, and he's nailing, like, step-back yeah. threes. I yeah. think he even he even For nailed, sure. like, a step-back three in a game. So, like, I yeah, I'm really comfortable with what he could bring to, to Memphis. He'd be a great fit with, with Jaron Jackson long-term.
0: Yeah, you know, if you just look at stats without context, you look at, you know, 19% from three, and you're thinking Isaac is crazy talking about he, he may be able to stretch the floor. Yeah, But a stat that a lot of people go to to for, like, shooting upside is the free throw percentage. Free yep. and he, he was 81% on, on yep. like, I think it was like six – six or seven attempts a game. So you know he was shooting 80% on high volume from the free throw line. So the stroke is there. It's just about stretching it out. And you know, I, I believe that he could do it. But yeah, he's definitely got a lot of tools that would fit the game. And I I've been over the course of this entire draft season, I've said the whole time, I don't think Jaron Jackson is a true five. So I don't know Maybe yeah, you know, maybe I, he put some weight on, and maybe he's able to you know get in and play the five position and be effective there. But for me, I have no problems if the Grizzlies go after a guy that could be a true five because I like Jaron at the four.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I
0: don't
1: Jaron. Jaron at the five stuff. I'm I'm not really on that train, man. I think he's a four. I think with with his offensive skills, I think defensively you might like him a little bit more at the, at, the, at the five. But I think. I think that they put him at the five. I think it's going to take away some of his offensive game. I, I like him at the four better, much better, especially with, with his rebounding. I think you want a, a, another guy at the five that can really rebound the basketball. Um, And, and Samuel was definitely a guy that can do that. And I asked him about the three-point shooting in, in his media presser. And he, he was using a translator, so it's kind of hard sometimes, the mm-hmm. translations of, of things. But he said that he could basically do anything the coach asked him to. And, and he said it's definitely something that he – plans on working on more and more to add to his game. So I, I definitely think it's like David said, I mean, 81% for the free throw line. And you see the, the form on his jump shot. I don't see any problems with that. You see them in workouts, knocking them down. I think that's that's definitely something he will be able to add.
2: Let me ask you guys, if Jonathan Kuminga fell to, to number 10, which I know that everything you hear behind the scenes, it, it seems like his floor is with Orlando's second pick yeah. at eight. But I still think it's realistic that he may – he may fall. I mean, I, in my personal mock that I did on my show, like I had him mocked to the 10 spot when, when it was new Orleans, but if he fell to 10, I mean, uh, the, there, would you guys be happy?
0: There's nobody on the board that could be on the board at 10 that I would take over camiga Not, okay. there's not no, a seat. No. of anybody that we've talked about and any of the guys that bitch. I've seen fallen there, there's nobody that I take over him. That's All right, you know, I was
1: I was going to say, I saw a report right before we came on here that he's dropping, they say Keon Johnson's dropping like a rock. Like, there are people thinking that he might drop to 17, 18, 19 now. Uh, and they say Camigo, they don't necessarily believe that it's as bad as it is with Keon Johnson. But I don't think he makes it to 10. But again, the Grizzlies are talking about moving up, and that's, he's seemingly yeah. one of the targets. And I mean, you – and and I was talking to someone this morning them so, like, if you look up three or four years down the line and Kaminga's the best player out of this draft, it honestly wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I, I know people are worried about the offense, uh, but I think that'll come in time because you've got to take into account that he played in the G League, and that's the difference. Uh, the people mm-hmm. don't seem to give that credit. I think you played against grown men, guys that have played in the NBA, guys that have been in Europe trying to get back, fighting to get back in the league. you playing against grown men as an 18-year-old in the G League, and that matters, and I watched a lot of G League at night this year. And one thing that impressed me with him is he, from from, from game one, I mean, he played pretty well. I mean, it took Jalen Green a, a couple games to get going. Kamiga looked like an NBA player from, from game one to me. And that's something that kind of impressed me. I just think with his size and, and, and the potential that he has, I think if he's there at 10, I think you gotta you got to take it. I mean, I don't think there's any question you take him if he's there at 10.
2: No, Isaac, I mean, that that's exactly right. And I I think to, to kind of piggyback off that a little bit, I, I'm not as high on Kuminga's skill set offensively at this current moment in time. So coming into a year one, like obviously he can attack the basket on a line drive. He he offers that that little spin move here and there, that that Andrew Wiggins type spin move. And I'd I'd probably call the both of those things together like one and a half skills. I don't know what other bankable skills he's bringing to the table right away offensively, but there's two things that would bode well in his favor in Memphis. Number one is Memphis will get up and down. You have, you can put the ball in someone like John Morant's hands. John Morant's going to find you in transition. So that's an easy way to get Kuminga involved early on and, and get him some confidence within the offense. And then number two is that he he did, he took on a lot of offensive responsibility for that G League Ignite team this past year when he is incredibly young coming into this draft. He did reclassify. So in theory, he's entering the draft a year earlier than, than he normally would, and He's also hasn't been playing basketball at a high level for for that long, as long as some of these other guys that we can talk about in this draft class. So the fact that he was that aggressive amongst grown men and, and, and the competition level for the G League, is, as much as some people can come in and say that it, it's not it's not the highest level uh, of basketball in terms of the stuff that they're running and the style of play, it, it is competitive because there, there's guys playing in the G League who— yeah. Are struggling to get back in the NBA. They want to get professional jobs. They they want to just put food on the table for their families. So like th- that's a competitive environment. And what better way to stand out in that environment than going up against some of these guys like a Jalen Green or a Jonathan Kuminga, these highly touted guys, you know the eyes are going to be on you during that game. And if you're you're over there playing well against them, taking their lunch money, like that's a perfect way to help yourself stand out. But Kuminga never let that happen to him. He never at least backed down from anybody in that league, whether, whether the results were, were always as positive as you'd like them to be. You know, he, he had some growing pains that he went through during his time in the G league. But if you bring that attitude and and that level of composure, that level of maturity, that will to not back down. I mean, I talked, I, I said, again, when we were talking about giddy, like if he's willing to come in and work, like, that's exactly what the city of Memphis wants in a basketball player that, that, that to me is why Kaminga might be a perfect fit in, in Memphis as well as anywhere, because he's going to come in and bring the right mindset. He's a very marketable player to to Memphis fans in that aspect.
1: And when you, when you look at the G league, I want to get your thoughts on it. I've kind of had my theories on it. I think it's it's fantastic. I think it's great for, for the top, top tier guys like Jalen green, Jonathan Kaminga, but we see guys like Isaiah Todd and Dacian Nix who are going in the second round, and I'm thinking maybe if they had went to college, they would have been featured, and they possibly would have went higher. Probably could be first round picks because they would have been featured players. The Numbers would have been a little bit better there on these teams. You got Jalen Green and and Jonathan Kamiga and also some some veteran guys that are that were getting minutes over you. What what are your thoughts on on, on kind of that difference in in the elite guys versus kind of the, the the second tier, really good players that are in the league?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, we honestly, I think Jalen Green and and Jonathan Kuminga would would probably be drafted in the top 10 and and, and drafted where they are, regardless of whether they went the night path or whether they went to school Um, for in the case of like an Isaiah Todd, for example, who, by the way, I'm I'm incredibly high on Isaiah Todd. Um, I, I've been on multiple shows now, and I've said that when, when we talk about where some of these guys might fall, you you look at the Oklahoma City Thunder, for example, who have like three first-round picks. Maybe they take two more surefire guys with with, with two of those picks, yeah, and then take the with, third pick. Take a guy, yeah, exactly. They can take a home run swing on somebody like Todd, who maybe his draft stocks higher if he goes to Michigan, but I think in the long term. It was much better for him to get exposed to to a professional environment, um, show somebody like him what it means to work every single day, have him, even though some of the concepts were more basic, have him come in and run those basic concepts, get a lot more comfortable with the ball in his hands, have him running off screens, doing off-movement shooting, which he excelled in, in my opinion, by the way. like I, I think that's going to be more valuable for Todd in the long term for for his development and his growth. More, more so than, than his draft stock. I mean, when you look at somebody like that, I mean, I, I can ask you guys. Like, you guys have, I believe, the fortieth pick now in the second round, correct? Correct. Yeah. Like, I, I would, I would be salivating if if Todd was still there at forty. And you guys can get that much value and bring him in like that. That's a that would be a great pick for you guys. I'd be jumping out of my seat to to be honest for you guys if if that was able to happen. Like I would be a lot more excited to get somebody who's been through an experience like that than than maybe somebody who's coming from a college program. They didn't get as much playing time or as much exposure to to higher level competition like that.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm not on the I'm like I don't believe that he's going to be there at 40 but yeah I'm I'm all about that.
1: Yeah, we're both fans. Right, I
0: love him. Like, where would you say, you know, we we were talking about OKC and their third pick in the in the first round I think is around 18. I mean, look. Yep. Uh, yeah, 18. So are, are you comfortable enough with what Isaiah Todd showed us in the G League? to take him? Do you feel like that he he is first round talent or do you think he's going to be more of the, the second round type guy?
2: Oh, he's, he's a first round talent for me. I have. So, so I, I don't necessarily put together a, a big board where I attach a certain number ranking to a player. I like to tear it off. So, um, but my, my first two tiers are reserved for the top four guys, Cunningham, Green, Mobley and Suggs. Um, they've set themselves apart, but that tier three has, quite a number of prospects in there. And when I say a tier three for me, I mean a guy who I think is a one through four starter on like a really good or potentially championship level team. So when you put tiers one through three together, that's about 21 guys for me. And Todd is in that group of 21 guys. Like for me, like I would, I would no brainer take him in the first round because when you look at what he can do shooting the basketball at his size, he's, he's shown examples of shooting it off the catch Off of movement, he's created shots for himself out of the post. He has probably the best fadeaway shot out of the post, out of almost any other prospect that you can look at. In this draft class and then you look at him he's six foot ten he's one of the best athletes in this draft class as well so his defensive versatility and his switchability i think he can guard one through four in time and, and he may even be able to masquerade as like a small ball five and and he would certainly excel a lot better due to his athletic talents and in some of those drop coverages that you see traditional bigs struggle with nowadays in the nba so when you put that whole package together. I mean, I've seen enough from him shooting and scoring wise that like I've said this on another show. If we look if we look back like five, six years from now, and we study this draft class and we look at like who the top five scorers might be from this draft class. It would not shock me if Isaiah Todd somehow ends up uh, on that list. Like I I am really high on him. He's been so undervalued through this whole process. Like usually everybody who has me on a show likes to ask me like who some of my sleepers are like Todd 100 percent fits that bill. And, and yeah, I would I would absolutely take him in the first round.
0: You know, it's crazy to me. A guy like Zaire Williams, you know, he's getting a lot of hype. There's talk about, uh, you know, him going, I think I saw as early as eight today. Yeah. Uh, um,
1: The craziest to
0: me. To me, watching film on Zaire Williams and watching film on Isaiah Todd, I'm like, man, I don't see that there is that much of a gap between those two. And I actually, I prefer Todd over Zaire Williams. Like, I understand some of the hype that Zire gets like because of his size and and some of the the skills that he has. But I I feel like Todd is kind of right there, but Todd on on the majority of the boards that I look at, he's, he's, you know, buried, I think early or like late first round is the earliest that I've seen him on anybody's board. Um, and, And it's just, it's just crazy to me. Like, what are they looking at? All right, is there anything that jumps out for you for Todd, that that just like a reason as to why he's further down on these boards than, than Zaire Williams?
2: So I think when when you go back if you want to compare the 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 two prospects you look at Zaire Williams and and what he did in high school for, for Sierra Canyon is you you can go back and watch that high school tape and you see this really big i think at the time 68 he he's grown i think he's I think he's over 69 closer to 610 is what he measured around at this point in shoes. So he's he's grown, but even going back in high school, you see this 67, 68 shot creating wing with deep range, can can shoot off the bounce, can can shoot stationary. Um it, it is absolutely a threat in transition, even showed some proficiency making plays. You can you can already tell he has a high IQ. Um, he, he's certainly not certainly not done by any means if he's if he's going to college at Stanford. Like you can't just skate by classes when, when, when you're going to Stanford. like you you have to be a really smart individual to to be able to to get a scholarship to play there. So those are some of the things that Scouts go back and they look at and they understand. And then you go back and you watch Isaiah Todd in high school, and he doesn't have nearly the the same resume that somebody like Zaire Zy- Williams has. Now now, Zaire Williams has a bunch of talent in his own right I would have him as more as like a tier 4 guy and you can look at some of the numbers and and look at some of the tape at Stanford and some people might even bump him down lower than that I don't think you could bump him down too low because he did have he did have some injury concerns in his in his year at Stanford there was everything that was going on with covid these guys didn't get the same training camps and practice time as they would have as freshmen in, in normal years and I don't think you can let him slip too far And I understand why people would want to take a shot on him in, like, the top 15 picks. I don't personally know if I would. I would still take him in the first round, but... I think somebody like Xavier Williams and even even Brandon Boston, who I don't think Brandon Boston's going in the first round anymore. He's probably going to be a second round selection. But really, the both of those guys were standouts in high school, but they get to the college game and they were not able to finish around the basket the same way that they were in high school. And I think that destroyed both of their confidence levels to a certain extent. Um, and, and it really bled out to their perimeter game as well. They did. Both of them did not shoot the ball as well as I think they can in time. But I think if you're bringing in either one of those guys, I think they're without a doubt going the G League route and you're going to have to have a staff work with them and and not only build out their bodies and get them to a point where they're strong enough to handle the physicality of the NBA game, but You're also going to have to figure out ways to use them and get them in comfortable rhythms on offense to where they're at least seeing the ball go through the basket and you start rebuilding that confidence level. Like if you just throw them out in an NBA game from from day one next year, you're probably going to be disappointed with the immediate return or the results similar to how you were disappointed in them if you were watching them at college. So but Todd. Even though Todd may end up in the G League at different points during his his first year, even part of his second year, I don't think you have to worry about confidence concerns or or, or anything related to work ethic or anything like that. He is is a standout individual. Brian Shaw raved about him. And anytime we've heard Coach Shaw speak for the media, he's had nothing but good things to say about Jalen Green and Isaiah Todd. So I, I have a comfort level in the product that I'm getting. And I think I'd rather bet on somebody like Todd in the first round. At least before somebody like a Zaire Williams or even a Brandon Boston.
1: Well, one one guy I do want to ask you about, and I talked about there being four to five guys that I, I wouldn't mind the Grizz taking at ten, but one guy that's likely to go in that range that that I'm not covered in is Davion Mitchell. Uh, they had him measured at six two, six three at Baylor. Actually, measured six one in shoes at the combine. Yep. Uh, I, I know his defense. The defense that he played in, in college had a tremendous. Shooting ability, three-point shooting ability that he showed, but for for the Grizzlies, I think the Grizzlies need to get bigger on the wing, and it just worries me at that size. I think he's a bit of a, a tweener. I think he's more of a shooting guard in a point guard's body, and will that defense translate at that size? I, I think it's going to be a big question with him. I mean, I know he's tremendously talented. I mean, he had a big NCAA tournament, and a lot of has a, has a lot of a lot of support, a lot of a lot of people love him. But what what are you kind of your thoughts on Davion Mitchell? The six-one thing kind of worries me.
2: So believe it or not, I actually do have Davion Mitchell as like a tier four type guy, which which when I get into tier four, when I get past those first three tiers, when I'm in tier four, I'm thinking about sixth man or like a yeah. specialist or, or or that kind of a player. And I see Davion Mitchell more as like a sixth man long term. I think if it's going to work for him in a starting lineup, he needs to be next to a bigger guard bigger who can guard, handle yeah. playmaking responsibilities and split those reps with him. Like I think Indiana is a perfect fit for Davion Mitchell at least more long term for for being a starter but yeah with you guys in Memphis I mean you have guards of similar size you you have DeAnthony Melton you have Tyus Jones you have John ja Morant like you guys are set at that spot and I don't think that Davion Mitchell would push anybody out of that starting lineup to crack in there so I mean if you guys would take him there and he'd be comfortable with being one of the 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 top guard options off the bench, then I think it can work because he has that, again, that mindset, that grit, that toughness to fit right in with with the Grizzlies. But yeah, I don't really see that being a a good marriage there.
0: So I want to go back to something that we kind of touched on a little bit earlier in the show. I I feel like it's a a pipe dream at this point. I don't know that the Grizzlies are going to give up what it's going to take to get into the top three. But as someone that is, you know. You don't really cover the Grizzlies, so this is an outside opinion. What do you think it would take for from the Grizzlies to move up to that third spot?
2: Oh, too much. I, honestly, too too much, and I don't know if I'd be willing to to get into those conversations if I was Memphis. Like we're we're talking we're talking a pretty significant haul. Um, normally, uh to to trade up. A few spots is generally at least one extra first round pick, maybe two, depending on the spot. I think you're talking like two extra first round picks on, on top of the natural swap, obviously. And then, you know, they're probably going to want a, a decent player back in return. I I, I think Jaron and, and Ja would be pretty untouchable, but maybe that's somebody like, like, like a Dylan Brooks and, and maybe even another younger player to, to throw into the deal. So, like, we're talking, you know, the swap two extra first round picks, and then maybe a a player or two. And and you guys are, you guys have a deep team. Like, like, don't get me wrong. Memphis has a lot of just pure quality basketball players that, that they can plug into a rotation. And if you're getting somebody like Mobley back in return, then, I mean, that would be, that would be phenomenal, right? Like, like, but is Cleveland going to be willing to sell the pick at number three? And then are you guys willing to, to essentially have any asset in play other than than and Jaron Jackson? that That's a question for you guys.
1: Yeah, I, I got a feeling they'd probably, and I know it's a no-go, I think Clymer would probably hang up the phone, but I think they'd be talking Jaron in that. and I'm not ready to to go there uh, with, with that right now. I think Jaron's been hurt, but I think we saw some flashes uh, of just how special he can be, so I definitely yep. wouldn't give up on Jaron right now. But to kind of piggyback off of that, uh, the consensus for a long time was that um uh, Evan Mobley was going to be the number two pick there for the Rockets. But in the last couple of weeks, it seemed like everyone now is pretty sure that the Rockets are going to go Jalen Green and Cleveland's going to go Evan Mobley. Well, kind of, what are your thoughts on those two players? Do you think you would go Evan Mobley over, over Jalen Green or would you go Jalen Green over Evan Mobley? So
2: I've kind of said all along that Houston has a real opportunity here to do something special. And what I mean by that is we've seen time and time again – in the playoffs, in these high-pressure moments that you need multiple high-level shot creators to to be able to win some of these big games. And we all got to watch Kevin Porter Jr. last year. I know that he's had some issues off the court, but thankfully he's found himself in a really good situation. He has the right people, the right coaching staff around him to keep his head on straight and and keep him focused on basketball. And when that's the case – he looked like a mini James Harden at times uh, on the court. Like some of the performances he had last year for Houston were, were downright scary. And then you're able to pair a backcourt partner like that with, with Jalen Green, who is an explosive guard in his own right, a, a three-level shot maker, someone who is going to come in and work his tail off. And you know that Jalen Green's going to become the best version of himself. And I think, again, having that attitude in a running mate next to Kevin Porter Jr., someone who's going to push... Kevin to, to work as hard as he possibly can and be the best version of himself. I think that's an excellent backcourt pairing and, and a level of shot making and offensive output that could really give the league problems like four or five years down the road. And then you look at Cleveland with Evan Mobley. And I think Cleveland's actually the best fit for Evan Mobley. Like when, when you talk about Evan Mobley's game and how he can impact the game, I was on a a podcast before I hopped on with you guys. And we were talking about a comparison for him maybe not the picture-perfect comparison, but it it works as like a Bam Adebayo-type big. And and what I mean by that is that Bam Adebayo isn't always putting up these gaudy numbers in a stat line every single night, but you know that his impact on the court, what he does on both ends of the floor, making everybody around him better, being this mobile, switchable big man who is competing one through five, like, that's the type of player you know when you're watching the game, he's either the first or second-best player on the floor Maybe not by statistical output, but by everything else. And that's how I feel about Evan Mobley. Like, I don't know if he's like your first or second option offensively on like a really good or championship level team. But when you combine everything he brings to the table, the total package at his size, seven feet, being able to handle the ball and initiate offense at times like a guard, his ability is probably going to be able to stretch the floor from three in time. He already has the mid range shot down. Um, and then everything he can bring to the table defensively, being one of those rare prospects who might be able to switch and guard one through five in the NBA. And I don't say that lightly. I understand the the level of physicality that comes with guarding the fives for him. He's going to have to add weight and, and add some bulk. But you look at everything else, his, his lateral mobility, his competitiveness. I think that Evan Mobley is one of those rare players that he could be the best player in the draft class. He could also be the third best player in the draft class. But either way, he's going to help your team win basketball games. And his defensive impact, his length, Along with Jared Allen and Isaac Okoro in that Cleveland front court, especially if they keep those those two small backcourt guys and Colin Sexton and Garland, who aren't the best defenders at times. They let guys get by them. Well, you can let somebody get by you, but good luck trying to score on that front line in Cleveland. So I think that'd be a great fit.
1: Yeah, well, we talked about the the picks at 10, man. Before we get out of here, Grizzly is sitting there with that pick at 40. And I, I think this draft is extremely deep. I mean, you got some upside swing guys in the, in the second round, maybe like a guy like JT Thor, who I think uh, has tremendous potential. Uh, Josh Primo is another guy that I think has tremendous potential. Some some interesting European guys like Vince Weinberg, 16, 200-pound guard. Uh, that, that's really intriguing. Uh, but, but who are some of the guys that, in the second round you that you like?
2: So at pick 40... 40- well, I know we we talked about Isaiah Todd, who could have possibly played in Michigan. Let's not forget about another guy who did play in Michigan. Was Isaiah Livers?
0: Isaiah Livers. Um, yeah. and,
2: and I think that listen, I, I I've watched the the Grizzlies, you know, pr- pretty well since 2010, 2011. and every year it seems like in the draft, you've always wanted the Grizzlies to take more shooters, right? And, and, and Livers will certainly get you buckets from the perimeter in bunches. So he'd be a really good second round target. I think would would fit right in. And again, he's another experienced player. He's a senior. So the Memphis just seems to want to add quality, quote unquote, veteran type rookies to the rotation to be able to come in, give minutes and contribute wherever they could. And being able to stretch the floor, that would be a solid option. Um, If you guys wanted to, to keep focused on, on defense, Kessler Edwards might be somebody that you look at. I'm not really buying the offense. I'm not really buying the shot, but I have nothing bad to say about it defensively. He's one of the more um, versatile defensive players in the draft. And then Justin Champney out of Pittsburgh. I really like him as well. Um, reminds me a little bit of, and maybe in, in both a good way and a bad way, reminds me a little bit of Kenneth Farid, somebody who is undersized technically to be rebounding as much as he is on the glass, but he's a competitive rebounder on both ends definitely showed a little bit more of a mid-range game last year. Pittsburgh if he ends up stretching the floor from 3 and that jump shot really does come around for him. Then he's the other he he's the 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 solid to to good to great athlete, energy, hustle type guy. He he he's another guy I could really see fitting in with Memphis pretty well and working for you guys.
1: Yeah, Kathleen Edwards is 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 popular. I think every guest and draft analyst we've had on when we talk about second round <laughs> guys, he always comes up. That's definitely a name that heard a lot we've talked I'm not about love, him in, i'm not in love with him in the clear. first
2: round a lot of people no not
1: the first round him. but i i like him too
2: yeah second round absolutely
1: yeah out of pepperdine didn't, didn't get a not gonna get a lot of exposure out there man but would you when you watch him on film there's definitely a a lot to like uh about kessler Airwood. so david you have anything else
0: man man i don't nathan we, we appreciate you coming on a lot of great insight here and uh just a, the added extra little bit that you you've been a Grizzlies fan for a while so that that's a just a little icing on the cake love it man love it
2: yes sir I appreciate you guys for for having me on seriously thank you so much if your audience wants to follow me or or look at more of my work you can just follow me easy on twitter at draft deeper um, and then my podcast you can get it wherever you get your podcast apple spotify youtube but this was a blast I I hope to be um, on with you guys more in the future definitely was a great time
1: Oh, man, def- definitely love to have you back, man. Thanks for carving out a little time for us. And definitely go go check him out, man, at draft Deeper on Twitter, man, always doing good work, good stuff. Check it out. Man, but we're going to go ahead and get out of here, man. Uh, big night tomorrow night. Uh, we're, of course, going to be doing our hootball live draft show uh, over on YouTube. I uh, mean, David going to be a part of that as well. Some of the other great Ball voices will be on there. Breaking down the picks, man. That's gonna be a lot of fun, man. What, what do you think about it, David?
0: Man, I'm I'm prepared. I mean, really, like I, I'm, I've been waiting for this draft. It, it seemed like you said it seems like a year, and we've talked about a ton of pro- prospects. Some of them kind of run together, so I've got some notes uh, set to the side so I don't mix anybody up. But I, I'm ready. I'm excited. I I hate. I'm glad that the Grizzlies moved up, but I hate it because the window that we're <laughs> yeah. in, we're kind of we're gonna come in after the Grizzlies pick, yeah. and especially if they move up again. But you know, like yeah. great uh, <laughs> great contributors over at Hootball. We're gonna have a, a good good lineup. Alan and Will are gonna start us off, and then uh Jill that covers the Kings for Hootball is gonna be on to start the show because the Kings are up there and uh just got a, a full lineup. They're gonna start around, I believe, 715, maybe 7, 7.15 tomorrow. And uh, and just let it rip from there. So I'm, I'm ready for it, man. Can't wait to get on there and, and talk about draft and talk trash to uh, to Alan. He's a Hawks fan, so we're <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna trash their pick regardless of who they take, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's going to be good stuff. So definitely go over. Uh, they're, they're tweeting it out, Alan has tweeted out. I'm retweeting it from my personal account. We will uh, tweet it from the Hootball Grizz account as well whenever we get the show up and running. Uh, come. Get over there and check us out, man. There's gonna be mainstream guys that are doing it, but you know sometimes the mainstream guys are not the best ones to watch whenever it comes to it.
1: yeah, I agree. Uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna be fun, man I, I'm excited. Uh, this draft, the Grizzlies are, are open for business, man. i it, we thought earlier in the week they could make some moves, but now it's I think it's almost I would put it at ninety percent that they probably do something else. and it's gonna be crazy if they drop it to the top five and we're not coming on until eleven. so I do it would be. Be kind of kind of strange if that if that happens, but um, um again, man, I think it's going to be a fun draft. It's a draft that I, I think has a lot of depth. I mean, we just talk about some of the guys that we've talked about in the second round, man. There's a lot of guys that I like. Uh, if, if you ask me who I want the grizzly to take at pick 40, I probably could give you a list of 20 guys I'd be okay with, <laughs> right, right there. So I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be a good deal, man, and I'm, I'm excited about it tomorrow night. Less than 24 hours away now, man. So so man. Uh, Everybody's looking forward to tomorrow night, and hopefully, the Grizzlies have a, a a fantastic draft to keep on building this thing for the future. But we're gonna go ahead and get out of here, man. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals, I S A A C underscore Rivals. Go over to hoop at Hoopball Grizz. Give us a follow. Remember, we're gonna have that link out for you to to check out our live draft show tomorrow night. Uh, you can find David at D Will two one 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 one. Uh, did I say too many ones there? Always yeah, always he there. too many. Yeah. yeah, every time I every time I do that, I'm like. Thinking in my head, I'm like, I'm messing I'm about to mess this up. Two one one one. Gotcha. At D well man. But we'll we'll be back tomorrow night. And we'll also be back on Friday or or Saturday with after draft coverage to have some more guests and, and breaking down all the action and whatever happens going on, on, on tomorrow night. We'll be breaking that down. So man, stay tuned with us, and until tomorrow night, we're gone.
0: This has been a hoop
1: bowl presentation.